You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Yeah, like Dave said, we are continuing our series. Uh, We're in a series called The Miracles of Jesus. What we've been doing the last couple of weeks is we've been looking at a bunch of miracles that uh, Mark has been highlighting for us. Um, in the Gospel of Mark, and we're looking at these not from the standpoint of just, wow, look at how amazing Jesus is, like these are magic tricks that he's showing off, but rather we're trying to approach it from the perspective of we believe these miracles are, are going to tell us something specific about the character of Jesus and who he is. And But before we jump in, I wanted to, we got to talk about my flight from Denver, Colorado, to Cancun, Mexico, uh, when my wife and I took our honeymoon. So uh, my wife and I, just a little bit more about me, we are married uh, July 16th of 2021. Here's a picture of our wedding day. I always like to just slide in a picture of our wedding day because I think my wife was so beautiful that day. Um, So we have my wife's family on the right, my family um, on the left. She wanted an outdoor ceremony. And so this is middle of July, 95 degrees. And I'm like, honey, yes, anything for you. And I'm in this full suit, and I'm just sweating. Everyone thought it was tears, but it was really just sweat the entire time. Uh, But no, we got married. Dave performed our wedding. It was a fantastic day. Um, And then we took a honeymoon flight to Cancun from Denver, Colorado. And so my wife and I, we get aboard this plane. It's about a four-hour flight down to Cancun. And so we get in. My wife takes the window seat, of course, which is totally cool. So then I took the middle seat. And then there was one seat open next to me. You know, you guys know where I'm going with this. You've probably been in that same moment when you're thinking, who's going to be the person that sits next to me? I'm like praying, Lord, please don't let anybody sit next to me because this is a long flight and then I can enjoy the extra leg room. And so all these people are coming on the plane. And as each person came by, I'm just, Lord, please, please don't let it be them. Please don't let it be them. And we pretty much get the whole plane filled up. And I'm like, this is great. Until one last lady boards the plane, like the very last second, and she comes in, and you could tell she was like, you know, last second, she's running, she's full of bags, and she's carrying a kennel with a dog in it, and I'm like, Lord, please, don't let this be the person. And so she sits next to me, of course, me being an extrovert, I'm like, I can't sit here for four hours and not talk to this lady. And so she's sitting next to me, and throughout the whole flight, though, as the flight went on, I began to realize this lady was very, very sick, like the, the whole flight. And mind you, it's the middle of uh, 2021, kind of in the heart of the pandemic. And so we're all still wearing masks and all of that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not you know, getting into the whole mask de- debate or anything like that. That's not why I'm telling you the story. I'm telling you the story because every time this lady would sneeze, she would pull her mask off of her face and kind of lean over and sneeze. And I'm, she's like sneezing on me. And I'm like, Okay, I'm a very simple, logical person. I'm like, if we're told to keep some masks on because it helps keep our germs to ourselves, you probably shouldn't pull your mask off of your face and sneeze. So she kept doing this this whole flight. And the worst part, we get to the point when the flight attendant comes up, she asks us what we want to drink. I said, I'll just take a soda. And so the the, uh, flight attendant is handing me my soda. And as I'm about to reach for it, this lady is like, I got it. And she grabs it from me. And it was like the slow motion moment as she's reaching for my drink. I'm like, no, please. And so she grabs it. She's like, here you go. And she was, she was, I'm sure, trying to be super helpful and a sweetheart and all of that stuff. 
I'm like, thank you. I'm just going to set this over here. I'm not going to drink it. And I don't know if this was being a good or a bad husband at the time, but I decided I rode the, the rest of my flight in the back of the plane and left my wife up there with just her and, and Anna. So I was young. I was like one day married, so I would not do that to this day. But there is just something about the feeling of like when you know somebody's sick, like you kind of just want to keep your distance from that person, especially me being a little bit of a germaphobe. I'm like, I don't want to share germs with another lady. But this, this idea and this feeling was so much more intense, though, in ancient culture, specifically in the Gospel of Mark and this passage of Scripture that we're looking at tonight. Like when you were sick and somebody knew you were sick, like everybody just kind of kept their distance from you because it was almost like your condition was your identity. Like, your physical condition kind of became who you were. And so if you were unclean, everybody wanted to keep their distance, and you didn't want to be touched by them because you could be transferred the, the, the disease as well. And so that's what we see um, in this passage of Scripture that I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 5. We have this lady who is sick, and everybody is keeping her distance from her because they don't want to touch her. And she tries to get very close to Jesus, and we'll read at what happens um, in the story. Just to give you some little bit of context, as we're kind of jumping in in the middle of a passage of Scripture here, is right before this couple of verses, Jesus is approached by a man named Jairus. Jairus is a synagogue leader, and he comes up to Jesus, and he tells him, um, hey, my, my wife, or excuse me, my daughter is not doing well. She is very sick. Please come to my house and heal her. And Jesus agrees. And so they're on their way to Jairus' house. And then this is the passage of scripture that uh, Mark kind of just inserts in the middle of the story. And it says this. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, meaning Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, Mark tells us she grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples asked or answered, and yet you can ask, who touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So we got a lot going on in this passage of Scripture. And so we're going to kind of just jump right in. Mark tells us right away that there is a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. It's, Mark specifically kind of makes the point that this woman isn't even named in Scripture. Like, again, her condition is her name. It's a woman, and she's been bleeding for 12 years. And when it comes to ancient culture, again, we got to remember that because of a condition like this, this woman was an outcast, which is a fancy word for meaning she had no social status, 
no relational status, no family status. Her family probably disowned her. And for 12 years, she was extremely lonely with a condition that kept getting worse. Like, imagine that, guys. 12 years. Put yourself in this lady's shoes. 12 years. Like, people are, are running from you. Like, not a single hug, not a handshake, not a high five, not a kiss, none, none of that. For 12 years. And to really put it into perspective, 12 years ago, October 22nd of 2011. What were you doing on October 22nd, 2011? I just started high school, <laughs> just to kind of put that out there. I was just beginning my high school journey. But what were you doing 12 years ago? Imagine on that day, 12 years ago, you found out that you had a condition that changed the rest of your life. That people started treating you differently because of it, speaking to you differently because of it, kind of distancing themselves from you because of your condition. And for 12 years, your condition continually got worse. This is kind of the rock bottom moment for this woman. She's an outcast, she's lonely, and then scripture tells us in verse 26, she is also broke. Verse, verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Like she's just doing the logical thing in this moment. She's got a condition, she's sick, so she's like, I gotta go to the doctor. Maybe somebody can help me. And so the more she ran to a doctor and then another doctor and another doctor and paid more money, more money, more money, she continually just got worse. Rock bottom. Because sometimes I believe that there are just some things that only Jesus can heal. And I think this, this lady in this story is slowly beginning to realize that. But I just want to ask you a question. Maybe how many of us in this room tonight, maybe find ourselves in the same shoes as this woman. Or maybe you can relate to the same feeling that she potentially is having in a moment like this. Like maybe you're here tonight and, and you feel like when people look at you, all they see is your condition. Or you feel like when people look at you, all they see is like the mistakes that you've made in your life. Or, or all they see is the addiction that you're trying to hide. All they see is the thing that you're struggling with. Or maybe you're here tonight and you can, you can relate to the feeling where, you've, where you feel like you've tried everything this world has to offer you to bring a little bit of peace to what's going on inside of you. But the more you try the things the world has to offer, you don't get better. You slowly and continuously feel like you're getting worse. And if that's you, just know that this woman felt the same exact way every single day for 12 years. And then we get to verse 27. I love this. Verse 27. It says, But then she heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, it's almost like this light bulb moment went on for her. Where as she's out and about and going to doctors and having conversation with people, she at some point heard about this guy named Jesus who can heal the sick, who can cast out demons, who has authority over creation who restores sight to the blind, raises dead people back. She's like, I got to meet this guy. This is exactly what I need. I've been, I've been looking for this for 12 years. But I just love what 
the woman specifically says about Jesus. Verse 28, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Like the woman's theology in this moment, her faith is not that I need to just physically touch Jesus. She believes if she gets close enough and she just grazes the edge of his garment, she still believes that she is going to be healed. That woman has some bold, crazy faith. <laughs> and, I, and I just want to challenge our faith for us in this room tonight, if that's okay. I want to challenge our faith a little bit. Do we have faith like this? that believes our entire life can change from just one encounter with the Spirit of God? Like, do you have faith like that? Like this woman, that you, that you believe your entire life it can change with just one encounter with the Spirit of God? Or do you feel like maybe the situation that you are walking through right now is just too big for God? Or do you feel like maybe your brokenness is just a little bit too complex for Jesus? Or your life is just a little too boring? Or maybe you feel like you have to do a bunch of stuff first before you can approach Jesus? Or do we have faith like this woman who believes one moment with Jesus and everything changes? But I just love the power of Jesus in a moment like this. Because again, remember... In cultural context at the time, if anybody who was unclean touched anybody else, like your uncleanliness was transferred onto that person. So we must understand that the, the woman running to Jesus in a large crowd, this is an extremely risky and dangerous thing because any person she bumps into as she's trying to make her way to Jesus now becomes unclean. But here's the powerful part about Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is that when this lady gets close enough to Jesus, an unclean woman, and she touches Jesus, you would think Jesus becomes unclean now. But that's not what we read at all. When she touches Jesus, the person who is clean, the unclean person becomes clean, not Jesus. Like we get this beautiful picture of Jesus' authority over sickness and over disease. And then we get to verse 30. Jesus' question here. This is so funny. Who touched my clothes? Who touched me? Because he realized power had gone out from him in that moment. Think about that for a minute. Like the reason Jesus realized somebody touched him was because he felt within his body power being transferred onto this lady. He said, who touched my clothes? And remind, I'm going to remind us, verse 24, Mark tells us that a large crowd was pressing around Jesus this entire time. So his disciples' response is probably something that I would respond to Jesus too. Like, Jesus, you're kind of going crazy here. Like we're in a large crowd. Don't you see all these people? We're all kind of bumping into each other, but yet you still ask who touched you? Come on. This is, this is crazy. I'm a visual person, so I like to try to bring visuals to moments like this. And so the best thing that I uh, could think of when it came to this moment between Jesus and this woman uh, was Life Flight Music Festival. Has anybody ever been to Life Flight by a show of hands? Anybody? I'm not talking about like last two months ago Life Flight. I'm talking about like OG Life Flight. 
like when there was two stages, and it was the main stage where it was like big worship bands. And then there was another stage called the sold out stage, where I love to hang out, because that's where a little bit of the Christian rock bands were. And I was a big Skillet fan, and I remember one year Skillet was closing at the sold out stage. And there is a large amount of people that shows up to these concerts. And so here's a picture, actually, of one of LifeLight's concerts at one of their festivals. Like, I don't know if it's this amount of this many people around Jesus, but just to give us a visual, like we're talking a large crowd. And imagine standing in the middle of that crowd and people are bumping into each other and, and, and then Jesus just slowly feels someone touch the edge of his garment because power goes out of him. And then he asks, who touched me? His disciples are probably looking around like, dude, there's a lot of people here. And yet you're asking, who touched me? And then we get to verse 32, which I love what Mark records here. He says, but Jesus kept looking. But Jesus kept looking. If I can be honest, I can't think of four better words to describe the heart of our Father than these four words right here. But Jesus kept looking. I was scrolling through social media not too long ago. And I came across this photo, which I think speaks exactly what Mark is telling us right here. Like, I think about the moment in my life when I've potentially wandered from Jesus and chosen my own selfish gain or chosen to do my life on my own and kind of wandered away from Jesus a little bit. But yet Jesus kept looking for me. And I think the longer we walk with Jesus... I think we all begin to get a better understanding that this is very accurate a picture of the heart of who Jesus is. Like think about the times when you've wandered from Jesus, but yet Jesus kept looking for you over and over again. He kept searching and he kept looking till we kind of came to the moment when we pause and stop and he's waiting for us to kind of turn and repent and give him enough attention to surrender our life to him. But Jesus kept looking. He's done it for you. He's done it for me. And he was doing it for this lady over and over again. He keeps looking. He's like, did you touch me? Did you touch me? Was it you? Was it you? Was it you? He keeps searching until he finds this lady. But I, I began to think, I'm like, why does Jesus do this? Like, why does he continually seek out this lady in this moment? Because it would be so easy for this lady to quickly run up, touch Jesus' cloak, get the healing that she needs, be on her way, while Jesus just kind of moves on his way, right? He's on a mission in this moment anyways. He's on his way to Jairus' house to help heal his daughter. But like, why does he hit the pause button? Like, hold up, who touched me? And look for her until he finds her. Because I believe that Jesus is trying to show everybody in that crowd the type of God that he is in this moment. Like Jesus isn't the type of God who just wants us to be close enough to him and get some benefits and maybe some blessing from him and then be on our way. Like Jesus is the type of God that wants us to just simply know him. I think of all the times where people are potentially coming to church or approaching Jesus because it's like, oh, I kind of just want to get close enough without being all in because maybe I'll get some, some good things or some blessings and benefits back. 
But Jesus is like, I'm not interested in being that type of God at all. I'm interested in being a God that knows you and you know me. And I think that's what he was doing with this lady. And then we get to verse 33. And we get this beautiful picture, I think, of what being fully known, but yet still fully loved looks like. So verse 33 says, excuse, yes, verse 33, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Like this woman, once she realizes like, oh, Jesus is looking, I better kind of step forward, it's me. Scripture says like she falls, she falls on her knees and she's trembling in fear before Jesus. And she begins to pour her heart out to Jesus. Like, like Jesus, I've been, I've been searching for 12 years to try to find a little bit of healing and relief from this condition. And like my whole family has left me, my friends, and I've been paying all these doctors, but yet instead of getting better, I keep getting worse. She's pouring her heart out to Jesus, but she's trembling with fear because I think she realizes that or the expectation she has of Jesus is that he is going to be scolding her. He's going to shame her. He's going to punish her like she's used to for the last 12 years of her life. She pours her heart out. Scripture says, tells him the whole truth which I think is her being fully known before Jesus in this moment. She lays it all out there. She's like, here it is, Jesus. Here's everything in my life. And then verse 34. Here's Jesus' response. It's not shame. It's not discipline. It's not scolding. He responds and says, daughter. Daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And be freed from your suffering. Daughter. Like let's remember at the beginning of this passage of scripture. Mark tells us that this is just a woman with a condition of bleeding. Her condition is her name. And then now Jesus calls her daughter. So she goes from not having a name to being called daughter. Like there's, there's a lot of, I think, ownership and like belonging. Imagine what she felt like in that moment when he called her daughter. I think of it like when my wife introduces me to her friends. She says, hey, this is my husband, Jaden. There's like a little bit of like, yeah, like I'm your husband when you meet some friends. Especially if it's guys. I'm like, I'm her husband, back off. But like there's ownership, there's belonging. Like I'm, I'm fully known and accepted. It's like he's telling this woman, forget your old way of life. Like you're not unclean anymore. Like you belong with me. I choose you. I fully accept you. And I love you. You're my daughter. She's fully known before Jesus, but yet she's still fully loved and chosen by Jesus in a beautiful picture. And I think about, though, how this woman's deep vulnerability actually led her to a deeper understanding of God's love for her. Like she could have just came to Jesus and kind of just like, mm, here's like 10% of my, the truth in my life. 
But the fact that she pours her heart out to Jesus and lays it all out there, but yet Jesus' response is still love, imagine the deeper understanding of God's love this woman got in this moment because she chose to be deeply vulnerable with Jesus. Like she gave Jesus every reason not to choose her. It's almost like, hey, here's all the, here's all the reasons where you should just kind of go on your way and forget me. I know I made a mistake. I know I shouldn't be here. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have touched anybody. For, you know, I'm so sorry. She's given Jesus all the reasons. But yet he still chooses love. He still chooses to accept her. And I think the same truth applies to us. That the more honest and vulnerable that you and I can be with Jesus, I actually think it leads us to a deeper understanding of God's love for you and I. So I want to tell you a story about a time in my life when this, this was true of me as well, where I identified with, with this lady. And Van, you can come forward as we kind of close things up here. But there's a time in my life back in 2019, I know I've shared a little bit of my story here um, a few years ago, uh, but I want to tell parts of it again and, and highlight something a little bit different this time. But back in 2019, for me, it was a year of extreme brokenness, just being fully honest and vulnerable with you. Extreme brokenness for me. And I doubted everything about my calling. I doubted everything about what I once knew about myself. I doubted the, the gifts that God had given me. And a lot of it came from, I was, I was dating a girl at the time. This is different from uh, my wife now. I was dating a, a different uh, girl at the time in 2019. And we dated for about eight months. And over the course of that relationship, I, be, I, I made some extremely poor choices when it came to sexual purity in our relationship. And I, because of that, I was just not doing well emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And at the time, I was actually serving as a youth pastor in a local church. And so I took a step back in my position for probably close to eight months. And because, again, I'm just not, wasn't doing well. And I started seeing some extreme counseling, uh, which was one of the healthiest things I think I could have done in, in, in this season of my life. And if you're a counselor in the room, Thank you for what you do. <laughs> Seriously, you are a gift from God. And I remember there was many conversations that Dave, Dave and I would have. We're sitting in his living room, and I'm just pouring my heart out to him of things that was going on and, and having to accept responsibility for some poor decisions that I made. And I had a lot of great friends and family around me at the time. And I remember I got to this point, though, when I'm like, Lord, I hear so clearly what my counselor is telling me. I hear so clearly what my friends are telling me, what Dave is telling me, what my family's telling me. I'm like, but I so badly want to hear from you. Because I felt like I wasn't getting anything from the Lord. And so I'm like, I need to get away from all of this. And so I actually booked a, a trip to, to Whitefish, Montana. I had an aunt out there and my cousin, um, really great people, significant people for me in this moment in my life. Um, and spent about two weeks out there and Whitefish, Montana is, at the, is kind of at the, the bottom of Glacier National Park. And if you've been to Glacier, it's like my favorite place on this entire earth. So beautiful. It's God's, there's like a special anointing over that place, I feel like. And so I get out to Montana, and I was hanging with my aunt and my cousin, and then they would go on their way to work, and then I would just go to Glacier National Park. 
and I would spend the entire day just hiking and sitting with the Lord and praying and listening to worship music. And it's crazy, Caleb, that you actually chose resurrecting. I didn't tell you to choose that, but that was one of the the songs I was listening to on this specific hike when I was in Glacier National Park. And I remember I I got in the vehicle and I was on my way home. And um, I'm driving, I come around this corner, and I've never audibly heard the voice of God before, and and I still haven't to this day. But there's something that went off inside of my soul, like it got punched in the gut, and it was like the Spirit was telling me, Jaden, pull the car over, I want you to hit brake, pull the car over, and get out of the car for me. And so I really quickly pull over, turn the car off, I get out, and the Spirit's like, Jaden, I want you to look at the sight on your left. And this is what the Lord showed me in in Glacier National Park. A very ugly sight. (laughs) And I remember telling the Lord in this moment, this this is a moment right after there was wildfires that went through all of Glacier and stripped all these mountains of their beauty and all these beautiful trees that once stood really high, just stripped them down. And it was like this picture of death. And I remember I, I began yelling at the Lord. And I was like, God, this is exactly how I feel. <laughs> I said, God, this is, this is what my soul feels like. It's like spiritually dead, like ruins, nothing left. Like in this season of my life, I felt like a, a biggest failure. I felt I was questioning, like I was, felt disqualified from being used by God. I felt like the mistakes I made were too big for God to ever use me again. And I say, God, this is exactly how I feel. Thank you for showing me this. It was this moment of me pouring my heart out, being fully known before God. And then the Spirit's like, get back in the car. I'm like, all right, thanks. So I get back in and I drive around that mountain. And again, the spirit hits me in the gut. He's like, James, stop the car. He said, I want you to get out. And I looked to my left. Sorry, I know this, <laughs> this photo means so much to me. And the Lord was like, Jaden, I want you to look down at the new growth that's coming back. What was once stripped and ripped and it was in ruins, he said, I'm bringing back new growth. I'm bringing back new life. And he said, Jaden, that is what I want to do in you. I will restore you to health. I will bring back new growth and new life in you. And then he specifically said, he said, see the three trees standing high? He said, that represents me, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As you continually keep your eyes fixed on me, I promise I will restore you to health and bring back new growth and new life in you. It was just just this beautiful picture of, as I began to pour my heart out to God, be fully known, his response was not shame. His response was not, are you kidding me? Why would you do what you did? His response was, I fully love you. I still choose you. I choose to forgive you. And I still want to use you. Keep your eyes fixed on me. And I think this is a perfect picture of what the heart of our Father looks like. Like He wants to fully know us. Every part. The good, the bad, the difficult. The things we're struggling with. He wants to know all of it. 
And he wants for us to fully know him so that he can show us how deeply and fully loved that we are by our God and our Father in heaven. And so I just want to ask one closing question. When was the last time that you told Jesus the whole truth? When was the last time that you laid it all out there for Jesus? Like this woman did, fell at his feet and told him everything. When was the last time you told Jesus the whole truth? The bad, the good, the difficult, the broken. I think sometimes we get so busy in our schedules that we overlook things in our life that we don't think is a big deal. But yet Jesus is saying, hey, pause. I want to know about that. We got we to gotta pay attention to some of that right here. And so when was the last time that you told him the whole truth? And so I want to end this message a little bit differently than what we have been. Um, this is a moment I want to give to you to just sit with the Lord. The worship band's going to play a song, and this is a song that they're just going to kind of sing over you, not necessarily one that we need to all stand and sing together. If you want to do that, feel free to as well. But the band's going to sing this song over you. But use this moment as a time to sit with the Lord and tell Him the whole truth. Tell Him what's going on. Man, if you're grateful, tell Him. If you're really struggling, tell Him. And maybe there's people in this room where it's like, man, this would be the first time I ever talked to Jesus. That's awesome. He's been waiting to have a conversation with you. Or maybe you're in this room and, you know, you're a follower of Jesus, but maybe you just feel like you're going through the motions. Maybe this is a good time to pause and reflect and simply be honest with Jesus again. Or maybe you're in this room and you're like, hey, this is great. I've heard it all. Thanks for the reminder. Maybe this is a time for you to ask God to take you into a deeper revelation of his love for you. And so the band's going to sing, take some time with Jesus, and then I'll come up and close this out. You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605.